0: Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman. You <laughs>
0: almost said Mr. Dave Butler.
1: <laughs> well, that <too. laughs> is
0: me also. Um, welcome to Don't Miss This. This is a scripture study podcast. We move through the scriptures this year, the Old Testament. So if it's your first week, that's what's happening. September, Isaiah, uh, back to school and everything. And our family, um, we are getting back into a rhythm. You know, summer is just.
1: That's my favorite part about September.
0: Right.
1: It is. It's like January. It's
0: hard to say bye to summer because yes. it's like, oh, I love schedulelessness,
1: Yeah. but
0: it's good for the soul to come yeah. back into a... Rhythm. A rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's and a everything.
1: rhythm. And what's it going to look like? And I've heard so many people talking about uh, Come Follow Me. What is the fall rhythm of Come Follow Me going to look like?
0: Yeah. And last night, a lot of people were talking about the app to me. And so... That's one thing that you might, if you're getting back into a rhythm of uh, come follow me again, study every night or every morning on the app, we have an app. If you don't know, Um, if you want to know more about getting it, you go to don'tmissthisapp.com and then you can see all the information. Don't go to the app store or you'll be confused. You have to go to don'tmissthisapp.com first. And one of the things that we include every week is a daily section. So for every lesson, weekly lesson, there are five mini little lessons that go in
1: that block of Scripture. They're like five-minute lessons, which I love because when my kids were all at home, I used to drive them to school every day. We didn't have a bus that went to our school. And so we did our family Scripture study in the car, which I loved because everybody was like contained. go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And the fun thing about the dailies are it is one thing, a question every day you can ask, a song you can listen to, a, a quote that has to do with what we're learning that kind of gives your kids something to think about as they jumpstart into the day. Or um, like for me in the morning, I love my first five minutes just to be, what do I want to be pondering today? So that is what I love those four.
0: Yeah, here's an example of one from the Psalms. Uh, It was on Tuesday and there was a scripture. There's a scripture with every one of them. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And then just this suggestion to fill today with a joyful noise to the Lord all day long. Put a speaker on the counter, play your favorite worship songs. Maybe the don't miss this Old Testament playlist. Sing, play an instrument, just fill the day with joyful noise. So just sometimes little thoughts like that, sometimes questions, things to think about. If that will help you out, um, in that daily section, you can go to don't miss this com for that. And maybe that'll be a good part of getting back
1: yeah, into the so rhythm. Fun. So last week we talked a lot about how to study Isaiah, which we thought, um, might be helpful for you because we're going to do five weeks of Isaiah. This is week two. And when we did that. So
0: if you missed that, go back. If you're interested in yeah. that, go back to last week. If you missed last week, sort of for like a just an overview.
1: Yep. It's going to give you ideas of, especially if you're teaching with your family or uh, teaching a Sunday school class, it might just give you a different idea you could actually focus on for every week if you wanted to. And we put those five things on one of our tip-ins right here. We'll also include those. They'll be in the newsletter and they're right under the um, the YouTube instructions um, or or description, or whatever you call that. <laughs> They're right there from last week's video. So if you want those five things, you'll be able to find them. Um, a lot of you have asked if you can still get these tip-ins, which they are sold out, and we are not going to do another reprint. But we have talked to Desert Book about doing a digital, um, what you call version that? Of version. It. Yeah. Digital version, which should be up by the time this video is up. So you'll have to print them at home. But for those of you who are looking. Uh, for those, which it was a significant amount, that's going to be our solution is there will be a digital version that you can find on there. So last week we talked about how to study Isaiah. This week we want to talk about where Isaiah fits in the story of the Old Testament. So you're going to want to pull out your timeline and just kind of have a look at what was going on in the world and where was Isaiah preaching and and what was kind of happening?
0: Okay, so you remember of after our three kings, right? Saul, David, Solomon, the kingdom split into two different kingdoms. Northern kingdom. And a lot of kingdom. people
1: actually asked about this while you're here. I'm remembering.
0: We gave an answer, but we'll say it again. The okay. numbers that are on here are the number of kings is the first number nineteen, and how many of them were righteous zero. Mm-hmm. Southern kingdom twenty kings. How many of them are righteous eight? That's why the southern kingdom lasts longer. So chronologically, what happened is the kingdom split, and then Kings and Chronicles, those two books, really talk about a lot of what is going on historically um, with those two different kingdoms, and it goes back and forth between the two of them. Okay. Then when we swing back around to Isaiah, Isaiah comes later in like the pages of the Bible, but he's at the same time as some of these kings during this time when the the kingdom was split.
1: So he's living, this line right here, everything above this is everything that's happening in the Northern Kingdom. So this is Elijah and Elisha's time period. um, And just as they're gonna get um, taken by Assyria. And then they're gonna scatter everywhere. Just before that happens, in the southern kingdom with Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah, you'll see Hezekiah's story in Isaiah as we're teaching Isaiah, because this all happened at this time right here. Um, this is still before Lehi leaves. So Nephi um, would have known about all of this. He would have grown up hearing about Isaiah, right? As he got, this is about where Nephi is gonna live, is clear here.
0: Yeah, so he is a prophet and actually prophesies to both kingdoms. Sometimes they would talk to one or the other, but he lives right in that time period, right before the northern kingdom gets scattered. So he's going to warn them about that. And then he's going to use the northern kingdom scattering as kind of a warning to the southern kingdom also. So that's kind of where he fits is he's right in there during this like really reckless time for both kingdoms.
1: So we are going to, as we go through Isaiah,
0: this is on spot 38,
1: 38, we're going to look at different characteristics or attributes or uh, missions of Jesus Christ. And this week, the one we're going to focus on is uh, Jesus Christ as the deliverer, as we go through these chapters, and we'll be putting on a different Isaiah word for Jesus Christ as we go every week. This week, 38 deliverer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that, um, one of the reasons that Isaiah is super valuable, and maybe this is just helpful as like just another overview type thing. Another reason he's super valuable is because he, as a prophet, actually gives the entire covenant story. Like he gives the entire history of God's covenant people. And they go through lots of different phases. There's phases of when that covenant was made, you know, with the house of Israel, the blessings they enjoyed by being in covenant relationship with the Lord, him fulfilling some of those covenantal promises, a promised land Mm -hmm. and posterity, and then trying to, remember he plants them in the promised land so that they can influence all the other nations. And now you're going to watch them turning against him. um, And then the apostasy that will happen because of that and the kind of the negative effects of, breaking that covenant relationship. And then in the latter days, the restoration and the gathering together of those until the millennium when it's an eventually a fulfillment of all the promises. So there's this big span across the whole history of the earth of kind of the covenantal story. And Isaiah tells us the whole thing. So you can find chapters about every section of that covenantal story times of blessing, times of warning, times of breaking it, times of fixing what was broken or restored. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing about it. Remember Nephi said, you might not like Isaiah or you might have a hard time with Isaiah because he, he prophesies after the manner of the Jews. And one of the ways of the manner of the Jews is they don't necessarily go in order. They don't mm-hmm. go from beginning to end. And so you will find Parts of the covenantal story, but they're out of order in Isaiah's. So he's gonna, for example, speak in one of these chapters about kind of millennial promises before Israel's ever even scattered. Yeah, you know, he just
1: doesn't go. Just whatever. (laughs) It's almost as if whatever is on his heart that day, he's like, "Uh, I, I should talk about that now. Um, um, Siri's gonna help me. She wanted to be a part. Um, And something else awesome that you said just now that has never connected for me, but I love the thought of this, is when you called it a covenant story, lots of times we talk about the covenant path. Um, where are you on the covenant path? But you you made me want to say to myself, where am I in the covenant story? And I love that how you just define the covenant story is not a perfect... Um, storyline. Yeah. Right. That there is um, broken places and there are places that have to be restored. And there are like within that covenant story, there are ups and downs. And I love that thought. Like for me, entering into a story is so much more the way my experience has been than walking on a path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's neat because we all have our own individual stories Within Within. like the context of a really, like in the whole context of the covenantal story of God's covenant people as a whole, we live over on this side. Yeah. Right? But individually, am I in a part of brokenness? Am I in a part of like, where am I? I could be. Yeah.
1: Am I in a period of apostasy? And the the beautiful thing that we're going to learn today is returning is always a part of a covenant story. Reclaiming is part of a covenant story that there's like... There's so much hope in the covenant story. And I love when you were saying, like, we're clear over here in the covenant story, but there's part of me that wants to be like, but this is my family. This is my history. This is the covenant I came from. You know, this is what I belong to. This is what my story is written and woven into is so much bigger than just me right here. Isn't that interesting to think about that?
0: There's a scripture somewhere in the block today and maybe we'll stumble upon it, but I'm only remembering it right now as you're saying that where Isaiah uses the lines, write this in the book Mm. for future generations. Um, It's really really cool with what you're saying, where it's just like, so that future generations also know like, wait, all of this I'm talking about, is not only your history and your story, but what you can expect from God in your own mm. individual story. I love so, that so
1: much. And, and and just thinking to myself, okay, where am I right now in the covenant story? And what does that look like?
0: Yeah. So this is the way we've kind of like um, orchestrated or organized <laughs> <laughs> um, this particular section of, of scriptures. If we were teaching... Um, this to a class, to family, whatever. Um, This is one way you might want to kind of organize and focus um, your study. And it's with these three sections. One, we're going to find a lot of verses in here where he talks about like, what is the, what's the problem? What's the burden? Burden is the word that he uses. What's the answer to this problem? And then what is the way that that answer or this solution comes about? Right? So these three sections, and we'll move through them in order so that you can see that um, super well. Okay, we're going to start with the, the burden. If you go to chapter 13, 13 through like 20-ish are these um, sections of chapters where the Lord through Isaiah is giving a warning to all the different nations. And you'll look in the heading. Um, you might not read all of them, but you can scan the heading and see like this one's to Babylon. This one's to Egypt. This one's to Um, Assyria. This one's too just warnings to each of the different nations, which is cool. I only bring that up because one of the aspects that's neat about Isaiah is you see God as the God of the whole world. Mm. He is the God of Israel. That's a name that we know him as. He's also the God of Egypt and the God of Babylon too, right? Like he's a God of all these different nations. And 13 starts off with this verse one, the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos did see. The problem that's happening, you know, uh, with Babylon and you'll see super similar language for Babylon as you do for Judah, as you do for Israel. Right. And it's this, what's the burden that comes when people ignore the counsels of God, when Mm. they break their covenantal promise was promises with them. What is, what is the, what's the, what's going to happen because of that?
1: Yeah, which I love and and breaking of the covenant relationship. What does that look like? And as he describes what this looks like, a lot of the language will sound like second coming language, which I think is really interesting because I think the Lord does follow patterns and what happens in the destruction of Babylon is going to be really Babylon then is going to be really similar to the destruction of Babylon now. Right. I feel like. And so we can see similarities as we're reading through in 13, and you might do that in some of your classes where you're looking for what are the similarities between what they, what he prophesied and they actually saw and what's been prophesied for us and what that will actually look like. And some of them sound really familiar to us as end time prophecy or second coming prophecy. Prophecy in- and if
0: you look in the heading, it actually says in the heading of chapter yep. 13, the fall of Babylon is a type or a shadow of like second coming. The fall Babylon was an actual real life city, but it becomes almost like this, sim- like a, a symbol. And the Doctrine and Covenants will use the word Babylon to talk about like the same yes. kind of like obsessions and philosophies that Babylon had back then.
1: And sometimes we read these things and it makes us feel really nervous when we read them. For example, this wants to say in verse 7, all ha- Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sor- sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. Um, in verse 10, The stars of heaven and the constellations shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And in 11, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. Um, that he He's going to go through and he's going to describe all of this end time language in verse 19. It shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we kind of see these types, right? We saw it with Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to see it again with Babylon here. And we're going to see it again with the second coming in. I think one thing that is super interesting about this burden part is the part that we're going to talk about in a minute that within these scriptures of the hard that's going to come there is always the hope that is going to come also and we were at dinner a couple weeks ago with some friends and we had a, it was a dinner that lasted for a long time we just sat there and we were in this beautiful city and The window was open, and there was um, the possibility of rain. And so it just was kind of like one of those really nice evenings where you can just sit and talk. We had nowhere else to be but there. Don't you wish you had more moments like that in your life?
0: I do. I started planning them in.
1: Yes, that's what you have to do. Tea time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. It really is. And those moments where you just... Pause. pause and
0: pause, yeah and be yep. in
1: relationship with someone, and it just was like a really good conversation during which the second coming came up, and then um, our good friend who was at the end of the table, was like, "Oh, I hate second coming things, and mm. i don 't want it to be in my lifetime, and I hope it is you know far away from where we are, and if you know us at all, we like want it to be tomorrow and so that was my instant reaction to this friend is, no, 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 you want it to be tomorrow. And he's like, no, I, I don't. I don't want it to be tomorrow. And I was like, no, you actually do. And he's <laughs> like, no, I've read all about it, and there is nothing in me that wants it to be tomorrow. And then I had told him how you and I had taught that whole master class and how the book of Revelation, one of the things we teach in that master class that is probably one of my favorite parts of that master class is um, that there is hope spread out through the book of Revelation. You will read several chapters, and then there will be like this pause of hope, and he'll remind you. It's all going to be okay. Okay. Jesus is going to take care of uh, his people, and and everything, all the wrongs will be righted. The tears will all be wiped away, and then you go back into what it's going to look like, and then there's that like interlude of hope mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. which is what I think we called it. And the interesting thing for me as we've been reading Isaiah is realizing Isaiah did the same thing. Yeah. He wanted to bring hope into the story that there are gonna, there's going to be hard, but there's also going to be hope. And that's important for us to remember is Um, to find the good, to find the good there. And that's one of my favorite things when we teach about the second coming is every time we teach about the second coming, people leave saying, I'm actually as excited as you are now because of the hope of what's about to come. So you're going to read hard things in here, but you want to balance that and Isaiah will balance it with hope.
0: Right, right. So when you're teaching and, and if you're not reading all the way through, you might accidentally skip over some mm-hmm. of those. And so it's always nice you know, to bring those in when it talks about some of that, that stuff. P.S., if you're interested in that master class that we did on the second coming um, with the book of Revelation, you can go to our website, don'tmissthisstudy.com, and then you'll see a section there for it where you can, where you can find yeah, it. It's
1: called Courses, I yeah, think, on there. Yeah, under
0: Courses. Um, but there is, I'm going to show you one of those hopes that comes mm. right here in just a second. But also there's something, and we're going to, I think we'll come back to this, but let's just say it now. And then maybe again, um, there are a couple things like sometimes when the Lord um, is speaking in this way, it's a warning voice, mm. right? Where he's actually like painting a picture of what happens when you just let the natural man run wild. Like you will see a lot of um, chaos language in here. The sun's darkened, the moon, things are spinning and reeling. He's like, this is just what happens when you let your carnal nature Mm. take over internally. And then if a whole society lets that happen, this is what goes on.
1: Well, and I love that because as I was reading it, I was like, in Isaiah's time, the stars and the constellations and the sun and the moon would have all been used for navigation and direction. And it's so interesting to me that he's like, let me try and explain to you what is happening. Like, really, literally, the sun might be darkened and the moon might turn to blood and the stars might be hidden. But also, figuratively, I love that he describes a time of wickedness so great that it's actually hard to navigate through it. Like, it's just hard to navigate through. Who do you listen to? What is the guide? Like, what what do we cling to? And instead of tossing out everything with the bathwater, like, what is the part of the covenant story that has been true from the beginning that is still true now? And how do we cling to that in times where it's like crazy?
0: Right, right. So the hope chapter is 14. It's actually a really fun chapter. And it's so fun because it it comes...
1: Right after thirteen, like it's just on top of it,
0: taking over, and then um, and then just kind of in the middle of um, chapter fourteen, it starts saying phrases like this. Um, Chapter fourteen seven: the whole earth is at rest and quiet, and they break forth into singing. And you're kind of like, "What?" Um, Three,
1: I love three. Do three.
0: Oh yeah, verse three. So come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear, and. From the hard bondage wherein you were made to serve um, under this enemy that you had, Babylon was mm. an enemy to to Judah, and and we all have things fighting against us. And the Lord promises, I'm going to rid you of of those enemies someday. And 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 He goes and He kind of compares. Um, you're going to see a comparison between the king of Babylon to Lucifer, where he Mm -hmm. says, thy pomp is brought down to the grave. This is verse 11. The noise of thy vials, worms are spread over thee and under thee. Verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Um, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount. I will ascend. But 15, you will actually be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit.
1: And I love 16 so much, it's the best verse. And it says,
0: and they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? And it's just this idea of one day, these enemies of yours, this evil, this viciousness that's in the earth that seems to be so pervasive and seems to be winning, will look at it and just like on the roadside, you know, like roadkill and be like, What's that? That's it? what caused so much. It's like almost like pulling a splinter out of your foot. And when you get it out, you're like, that's, that's what caused <laughs> all that like trouble? Yes. Just that? Yeah. You know, just kind of looking at it and, and that sort of like this idea of hope. It's like one day all of that will will be gone from you. Um here if you go over to chapter twenty-four, hmm. there's more kind of description of um, why the problem actually exists. One, verse one, more of that chaos language where things just seem turned upside down and it affects everybody that's that's there. And verse five is the reason why. The earth also is defiled or is experiencing these consequences um, because they've transgressed the laws, they've changed the ordinances and they've broken the everlasting covenant. That's so good. Right. And he's like this is why you have cut yourself off from the grace mercy direction inspiration power and protection of the god of heaven mm-hmm. and earth like that's what it means it's not an idea of like oh because you broke the rules and so now and Here's like, your no, punishment you have gone against like the natural law of the universe against the laws of mm. of god himself and and there is a punishment that comes from that.
1: Well, and I think it's, it's less of a punishment too and more like of a consequence. Result consequence, Because yeah, I want to yeah. say, when you choose to transgress the laws, change the ordinance and break the covenant, you really, you are choosing to remove the privilege of God from your story right, right. then. You're choosing that. And the more people who choose that, Then the less we have of all of those things that come as privilege with a relationship with God.
0: Yeah, and I would say, and if you you we have to remember that the new and everlasting covenant was the solution to the broken, Mm. carnal, sensual, devilish nature and world. Right. So if if we take the solution away, it's almost like taking somebody off of their of their. Of their medications or something. So now, <laughs> right? It's like now you've removed like what could help you, yes. and you're now now your body will just disintegrate and move into chaos, which is it's you know yeah. like because
1: because this is meant to heal, right? And if this you take meant away the to healing, heal. and if you take away the healing, then all you are left with is the burden. Right. That's what you're left
0: right. with. Right. So God's going to use that word punishment throughout Isaiah. But I think it's nice if you consider, wait, it actually might be a consequence. Mm-hmm. I think, this is my thinking, pers- if I mm-hmm. were to do percentage-wise, that the majority of what we would say are the, con- the, the punishments of God, I put that in quotes for you podcast people, the punishments of God are actually more just Him allowing the natural consequences yes, of sin of to choice. take their course, right? Yeah. Of, you know, f- let free will have its, have its reign, or, or whatever.
1: And I always think about this because um, sometimes we wonder, like, what does that look like in a soul? And for me, it's really t- easy to see. What does that look like in a yard? Right? When we were gone from this place for a month, when I came back, just naturally, what happened is my grass grew too long. Weeds took over my flower beds. Um, like, there's a lot of work now to reclaim what I had before I left right. for a month. Yeah. Because normally I'm daily participating in that um, progression of my yard and of my house and, and how I want things to look and that organization and that order. It's that order of things. And when we get out of the order of things, like it's good for me to realize, oh yeah, what the earth will do actually
0: is thorns is and thistles and noxious weeds, yeah, right? that's yeah.
1: that's what's going to happen if I'm not following after the order of things. And I I love that in my own life to be like, okay, what's growing in here that I actually need to and, do and something I, about? Yeah,
0: and I love that you just compared yourself because when I like think of your analogy, I want you and me to be the garden, yes. and him to be the gardener, yes, right? Like when and if you ask the gardener, no, thank you, I don't want any of your Remedies, yeah. then, you know, and, and when you came back, you really uprooted stuff. Yes. And you did like hurt yeah. to the. And there's still more. The, like there's there, some you know? I keep
1: procrastinating because I'm just like, oh, it's going to take so much time to get it back to where it was. But I can. Yeah. But I can right. put the time right. in. And what I was,
0: where I was going with that was to say that like the, the Lord will say things in here to Judah and Israel I, I'm going to scatter you. And I will cause this to happen to you. And I, you know, and it's like things that you're like, wait, why are you, why are you doing that? And so, because my intention is, sometimes I have to pull things out of you. I have to allow you to be humbled if you're ever going to turn back.
1: Yeah, and I like that you use that word, allow, because sometimes when I look at it, I, I did not cause those weeds to grow. Like I wasn't like. I will now cause weeds to grow here. But my choices allowed that to happen. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you look at that I will of the Lord, um, and it, it can put him into a character of God that like doesn't resonate well with me, that it's less of a I will punish you as much as I will allow the consequence of what you've chosen to come and that's going to feel like punishment. That If you remove the gardener, then what you're allowing is things to come up into that place that you maybe didn't actually want in that place. And, and I think that's important that as we think about all of these things to realize, God will allow mortality to do its work in us. And, and if we... Are not living in a way that allows. I wish we had written down those six things you said they were so good. But his spirit, his direction, his guidance, his protection, um, all of those things. If we're living in a way that we're not inviting that in, then we're inviting in the opposite right. of those six things right. that you.
0: Yeah. Said. So when you read and it's and you read the language of "I will punish," "I will vex," "I will mm. um, consider that." An, another translation that might be like, I will allow these things, you know, to, to take their course and, and to happen yeah. as you go through. So these verses right here that we're just reading, um, where it's this this section, these are things that Moroni quotes to Joseph Smith. It's mm-hmm. really, really similar language to Doctrine and Covenant section one, where the Lord says there is a calamity in this world and I'm going to remedy it. And the calamity came from and almost these same words. Yeah. And so you can see, right, they're quoting Isaiah because Isaiah's talking about their part of the covenantal story. So you're gonna see connections between the restoration and Isaiah's words. And um, again, there's little verses of hope that like pop up in here as it goes through some of that, uh, of that language. This one's so cute mm-hmm. 13, it says, He's gonna shake the olive tree. You know, like after everything's dead on it, he's gonna go back out to it and shake it and just see if there's any good fruit left. <laughs> like one more time. And there's a lot of you know, language of oh, the little remnant. I'm gonna preserve this, yes. this remnant that's that's here. And you can read through some of these and you'll get some of the, the of the of the same language. But let's jump down to Do
1: you wanna go to 28?
0: Um let's do this um. Oh, I just want I threw this verse in there because I thought Isaiah's words were so cute. He says, um, where he's talking about when you try and and take like the advice and counsels and philosophies of the world as your own. He says, it'll be like the bed is shorter than a man can stretch himself on and the covering narrower than he can wrap himself in it. And I love that because it's like everyone can still relate to that. Where he's like, it will be like climbing in a bed that's too little for you. Like it just won't ever satisfy you. Or it'll be like sleeping in a cold room at night with a blanket that's not quite big enough. Yes. He was like, you just, he's like, I'm just warning you. Like the, these things that the world offers, they're going to actually not satisfy you. And it's going to feel like a, a blanket too small. Yeah, Which that's I think is so such good. fun language.
1: Um, and then there's one other one that we love in 30 And I love that we are just like approaching general conference as we think about this one, because one of the problems that they were having, um, if we brought that timeline back up and we looked at that, um, that whole line of where the scattering is going to happen and then the captivity is going to happen. One thing that is consistent in both kingdoms is they stop listening to the prophet and they start, um, even though he's still there, he's present among them. But they start ignoring the things that he feels like are important. And as we're preparing for general conference, it just makes me think to myself, how prepared are we to hear the things that they feel are important for us? And there's this really interesting verse in um, verse 10 of chapter 30. And it says, well, I'm going to start in verse 9. It says this, this is a rebellious people. And then um, he explains what that rebellion looks like. And he says, they say to the seers, they say to the prophets, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak to us instead, smooth things. Um, And I think that's so interesting to think that um, we do live in a society where people are like, I didn't want him to say that. And that is not the counsel I wanted um, I, I will go back in and look at my own personal authority and see if that is the right counsel for me right now at this time. And and it's so interesting to think that that's kind of what he's saying in verse ten. Uh, is this rebellious people which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not. Don't tell us the things that are right. We don't want to know those things. Tell us the things that are smooth, mm-hmm. that that fit society, that fit culturally, that fit the way that would make life smoother for me. I, I actually want you to say those things instead. And it's so interesting when you talk about a covenant story that that language has actually happened before. Like this was a time where people were actually, that's what they were saying, is this is what we want you to teach instead. We'll, we'll tell you how we want you to teach it. We'll tell you how we want you to say it. And then what happened after that?
0: Then scattered and they, the consequences and everything that happened, you know, with there. Um, and I think it's like when you were talking about that timeline, I, maybe we should just show this real fast for those of you who can see it. Because in every single one of these boxes, we are going to put in another prophet. And you just, if you want to open the the, um, title page to the book, to the Old Testament, Mm. I mean, the, what do you call that? Table of contents. Yes. You'll see all their names. And you're like, look, again and again and again and again and again and again. And
1: all in the same, I mean, these people are all living in (laughs) the same years. And it's almost as if right when it was going to get to the very end, he was like, I'll send more. I'll send more prophets. I'll send more language. I'll send more words. I'll send. You know, this is the covenant. This is the covenant. This is...
0: The healing. This is the solution. This is the, you know... Yes,
1: and and make sure everybody has a chance to hear it. But it's so interesting that that he's like, but this is a rebellious people.
0: And then you were going to do verse 15 too, because I think what you're going to teach in 15 is so good about returning. And
1: so this is going to take us from the burden and we're going to enter in now to what is the answer then? Um, if this is what it looks like, if this is the place where you are living, what is the answer? And I love in 15, he's going to say right then, um, because he's going to come out of, if you stay in that place in verse 14, it's going to be the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken into pieces. Um, and that's just what will happen. And it is what happens. I reached back for that timeline and it was, oh God, it was gone. <laughs> That is what happens. Israel is broken into pieces all over the place. And that's what Isaiah and these prophets are going to start talking about is you are going to be broken in so many pieces and scattered in so many places that it's going to be hard to even see where all the shards went. That's what's going to happen. And that actually is what does happen. That happens. That's the consequence of choosing not to live the covenant story for them is that they enter out and that becomes part of the covenant story is this scattering that takes place. But then the hope is going to come in. And I love this because he said, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And I love that part of the covenant story is the scattering, is the walking away from. But also in the story, I love that he writes it in right here. Oh, there's going to be a returning. Hmm. That is what's going to happen. And um, he's going to tell us that over and over again. There will be a restoration. There will be a refreshing. There will be, you know, that restoring that is going to take place. And I love that he just puts it in right here. Like right after the verse where he's like, this is this is what is going to happen The very next verse is, but there will be a returning. Mm -hmm. And how sweet is it, especially for those of us who are feeling the effects of the scattering to know there will be a reclaiming. There will be a returning. That actually has been written into this story. And I love that. And the answer is going to end up being Jesus. That's what's going to happen.
0: Now, this middle section um, for the answer, uh, this is a really, really cool um, activity that you could do as a family or a class right here, because it'll be neat to see what everybody else comes up with. But 25, 26, 27, 28, these chapters are all chapters that talk about um, Jesus as the solution hmm. and Jesus as the answer. Uh, 25.1 starts with, O Lord, Thou art my God. And that language of mind, that covenantal language suggests a returning. It suggests Mm -hmm. like, oh, you've come back, you know, into relationship. Um, There are two phrases in 25.9. So what you might want to do is put this up on the board or put it on the top of a piece of paper or something like that for yourself or for the class. And just put up 25.9 says, and it shall be said in that day on the returning day, right? That's coming. Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. And you'll find out later another verse where it says, and he's waited for you. Mm-hmm. I love that verse. We're getting, we'll get to it at the end. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. And to put that up, this is our God. And this is our Lord. And then give people time to go through chapters 25, 26, and 27. And look for everything in there that, dis, that would answer that heading, this is our Lord, this is our God. And it will be so cool to see what words yes, and phrases that you would come, come up with. with.
1: Like if you were going to pick, we went through and picked some of our favorites in here that we'll just read you a couple. But if I was going to write, this is the Lord, um, big at the top of my paper, and then I was going to list one of the scriptures I would put is Isaiah 28, 12. This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. This is... Is the refreshing. I just love that one so much.
0: Um, one of my favorites is in 25.8, John the Revelator actually quotes this one. Um, he says, he will swallow up death in victory. And I want to replace death mm. with anything um, or the death of anything. He'll swallow up the, the death of, a, of someone's reputation, the death of a relationship, the uh, actual physical death, the death of an opportunity, right? Yeah. And it will be swallowed up with victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And, and just to read through and find just phrases and, and verses and, and words that describe like this is our God, this is the Lord. And in my journal, I wrote this phrase and <laughs> how could you even know where it is? Um, oh, that it's, this is his intention. Like that you have to know that this is what he is about. This is what he's trying to orchestrate. This is what he's trying to bring about. This is who he actually is.
1: And I love, we want to talk for a little bit about like the way. This is, he's going to be the answer, but what is it going to look like? How is it going to happen? What is the way? And I think to understand that best, um, it's to go back to where we were. um, What does it look like to be broken, and in 29, it, you're going to see in verses 13 through 16 some of what brokenness looks like. Um,
0: Pause. Can we rewind for one second? Yes. Not the video, but I just, like this verse right here, this twenty eight sixteen. I forgot. It was so awesome because when you're talking about, there are a lot of voices and mm-hmm. there are a lot of philosophies out there and there, and there is a lot of like confusion in, wait, I don't know how to get yeah, I don't know then what's the right, like, you know, it's so hard to navigate our feelings, what we see around us and everything. And and I just think it's neat that you find um, that verse you read, 15, that says, listen, in your in quiet moments, yes. you're going to find your confidence of what to choose you're going to do. Some other verses you're going to find are little by little, precept mm. by precept. You know, he's like, don't worry, I'm going to guide you along Really, really gently through there. Or this 16, I will lay a foundation, a tried stone, mm. a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Like I am going to like move you through this in confidence and, and I little can bear, by little.
1: And I can bear the weight of it. Right. it. It doesn't matter how heavy this part is for you. And I love okay, that sorry, thought about rewound, line upon but. line and precept upon precept for this fact. It makes me feel like he's not going anywhere. You know, he's not going to be like, okay, this is how you get where you're going. You're going to go straight for three miles, turn left, take your second right, look for the tree on the corner. Like he doesn't, and then, okay, good luck. I love that he's like, oh, I'll be with you. So when you need to turn, I I will say, oh, let's turn here.
0: I know. This is why I love some, Jenny has a really, really good sense of direction. Yes. So does Greg. Mine's negative five. Me too. Mine's so, so bad. And when we drive places, I tell her, be like um, Siri. Because I really like that she's like, even though it's annoying to everybody else, it's really helpful. And she's like, in two miles, you're going to be turning right. In three quarters of a mile, you're going to be turning right. In half a mile, you're going to be yes. turning right. Now it's time to turn yes. right. And you're just like, instead of like not knowing, yes. like it drives me crazy to be driving in the and not knowing. I'm like, and all how of a far? She's am like, I? Go left, go left. I was like, how long am I on this road? Uh-huh. I need to know. Yeah. So it's just nice that Siri's like, for 3.2 miles, yes. you're gonna be on yeah. this. And maybe that's how God yeah. and maybe that's
1: how God talks to us, where he's like, we don't realize, but Isaiah is Siri. It's like him, yeah. like, if if this is how you continue in about three miles. This is what it's going to look like from here. You yeah. know that he really is just like. But if you get there and there's that big accident, well, I'll take you around it. You know, <laughs> I just love that he's like, I'm going to be there. Yeah. So whatever you need. This is, this is need, our
0: God. This yeah. is the Lord. That's yeah. what he's like. Okay. That's so Reintroduce good. Reintroduce this section of the way because okay. I interrupted. So him we're going to go. We're going to talk
1: about um, how how is he the answer? Like, what does that actually look like? What is the way? And. um, and in order to understand it best, I think it's best to just set up, what does broken look like? And um, he he says this in twenty nine thirteen, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their reverence toward me is taught by the traditions of men. Isn't that an interesting verse where you're like, this is what it looks like for the covenant to be broken that you talk about me um, with your mouth and like your lips are saying the right things, but your heart isn't in it. Like I don't have your heart. And instead of getting, um, learning reverence toward me from me, you're going after the traditions of men to figure out what does worship need to look like for me and You know, how does holiness need to look for me? You're letting the traditions of men actually teach you that. And that is broken. That's broken. Um, Which I love that he he just kind of spells that out for us. Um, I think it's so interesting in verse 15 when um, those people want to say, who sees us and who knows us? Like, does God even know who I am? And I love in verse 16 when he says, Surely your turning of things upside down is going to be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not. Or him who framed, the thing that was framed, should he say of him that framed it, he had no understanding of who I am. And that's broken, Isaiah is telling us. That is not Right. That's not what covenant relationship actually looks like. And
0: it's not what any relationship yeah, looks like. Yeah. Right? And I the, love
1: that he's going to spell that out for us. That he's like, let me show you what broken looks like. Um, and
0: and, I, and it's cool to like take those. Oh, and P.S. You might recognize those words. This is what the Lord says to Joseph mm-hmm. in the sacred grove. Right. Yeah. And to you would consider it a broken marriage if you were like, you're going through the motions, but your heart's not in it. You're hiding things from me. You're not taking any of my advice you're not looking to me you're looking to everybody else outside for, the relationship for answers and everything and and so it's like you can see like oh you know and again if, if we excuse all of what that relationship like we won't reap any of the benefits and blessings mm. of the relationship if, if we're, we're not do, if, in right, it if we're not in it right
1: yeah um he says this um um, I like when he talks about this. If you let this keep going, then it's going to be like a breach ready to fall, swelling out on a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces, and he shall not spare. So there shall not be found in the bursting of it a shred to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal out of the pit. That's what the breaking looks like. That's what it looks like to be broken. And then there's going to be this answer of this restoring. And before we get into it, I just... Um,
0: so let's just say one aspect is of one of the ways is he's going to warn us of the brokenness that could and would come hmm. and hope that we'll humble ourselves on our own, before turn from it or, or whatever. That's one of the ways. But another one of the ways is actually they go through get broken Yes. But he's going to work through both
1: paths. Either way. Either you can choose to not go, like to listen to me now, and then you won't have to go through that. But what if if I did? But if you go through that, yeah, yeah, what's going to be the answer? And several years ago, I had a friend who was retiring from a job, and we decided we wanted to get her this beautiful gift, and it was going to be this vase, and we were all going to type letters to put in the vase, and... Roll them up and stick them inside. It was this great idea. Um, And so we were pulling it all together and I ordered the vase and I went out on the day the vase was supposed to come. It said it was delivered and I picked up the box and it rattled. And in my mind, I was like, this is not good because vases are not supposed to rattle everyone. (laughs) So I opened it up and I dumped it out on the counter and I spread it out and there were 20, the vase was in 29 pieces. On the counter. I know because I counted every single piece. So then I called the place and said I had ordered this vase and it had come in all these broken pieces and I needed it in three days and what were we going to do? And the lady was like, I'm just going to overnight you a new one. I'll send it out right now. It will get there in time. And I said, what do I do with the old vase? And she said, you uh, throw it in the garbage. So then in my mind, I'd been studying that Kintsugi joinery in japan where they put things back together and i've always wondered like how hard would that be to do and you know they do that and they use this golden glue and then the piece when it's put back together is actually more valuable than it was before it was even broken which i love like the thought of that if
0: it had never been broken Um, yeah
1: yeah if it had never been broken so um They. I decided I would just try it. I was going to put it back together, so I spread garbage bags out on the table. And my thought was, I'll just hurry and do it that afternoon um, and see what do I learn from the process and then clear it off and be done with it. And the first lesson I learned is that a joinery cannot take place in one afternoon. Mm. And the reason why is because I had to go through... And I had to pick those pieces and I had to start at the bottom. And I would get those all in and glued. Um, I did not have golden glue, everyone, but I did have Gorilla Glue. So that is what I got out. And I would put them on. But if you start the second layer before the first layer is solid, the first layer will collapse under the weight of the second layer. So what I thought was going to take me an afternoon to finish Ended up taking me two weeks to get done, and I worked on it every single day. Like I was putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And what happened the first night is Greg walked in and was like, What is happening right now? And so I told him about the vase, I got it, I was doing it, we bought it for our friend, and then it was broken. And his first reaction was, You are not giving her this, which I was like, (laughs) No. Who loves it, Greg? I just was going to piece that thing back together. So I explained about the new base and that I wanted to learn about joineries. And and he said to me, but we're not keeping that, right? And I was like, no, when, we're, when I'm done with it, I will throw it away. I just want to learn the process. And as I went through that process, there were so many lessons that I learned about putting in the right piece at the right time. Because if you accidentally get ahead of yourself or too forward thinking, that piece, because of the sturdiness of the glue, will never get to go back into the vase. And the importance of the strength at the bottom and going up and uh, taking the time to look at each piece carefully to, to know at what point and does it get to come back in the story. And when the vase was finally done, I had such a feeling of like, accomplishment. It was better than any jigsaw puzzle I've ever put together in my life. And then what happened is I never threw away the vase, everybody, because I was so attached to it by the time I was done. And this is what the vase um, looks like. This is what it looked like when it was all done. And in my mind, when I look at it, I see the story of all of this getting put back together. I see the hours and the days that went through. And And for me, it's become a symbol of grace, of His grace, and how it works, just a piece at a time. And the restoring and the reclaiming and the putting back together um, each of the pieces into something that can actually be utilized and used. And the vase became precious to me because of the time. That I spent working on the vase. And when we think about these restoration scriptures in Isaiah, I love when it says this in Isaiah 30. um, This is the one that you loved. 30 verse 18. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. And blessed are they that wait for him, and and I love that thought of both waiting for the other. Him waiting until uh, we're ready to return and be reclaimed, and us waiting for him to do this great work that he has in mind for us. And I love when he says, "He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer you." And that word grace that is used there is actually the Hebrew form of the word, which I've been studying lately and I'm so intrigued by because as Christians, we talk about grace that comes by virtue of the atonement of Jesus Christ, that comes by virtue of the cross. So when a Jewish person talks about grace, what are they talking about? And I love the thought of um, that Um, That Jewish understanding of grace or graciousness is kindness and it's deep kindness and it's kindness that is attached to action of some sort. And so for us, the action of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that is why we would call that grace coming from that Hebrew translation of the word. But I love that thought of him just being ready to act immediately. I love when it says, at the voice of thy cry, when he shall hear it, he will answer. Mm. Like in the moment that you are like, I want to return into the covenant story. He's just waiting for that. And then his action will be deep kindness in that moment and reclaiming. And, And though the Lord gave you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes will see... Thy teachers, I once once had a woman tell me this, when the lesson is ready to be learned, the teacher will appear. Mm. Do you love that? Yeah. And I love that that's kind of what he's talking about there. Like when you are ready, he will be ready. Yeah. Too. He will be ready. And he's just waiting.
0: Yeah. And every teacher ought to not be frustrated by that. That be frustrated by I'm not reaching everybody. Mm. It's just like, oh, that's because some are ready to have a teacher and some are not. Yes. And those who are not, you don't give up on them. Yes. But,
1: you but know, they will they, they will, be will be eventually. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. And when the lesson is ready to be learned, the teacher will appear in and, that moment. And
0: the way that it keeps going, I think, is so cool. It reminds me of the C. S. Lewis quote where he says, then like starting in twenty-three. Um, It's going to talk about, these are all words that are like um, Mm. promises to covenant Israel, right? Then, once we've turned back, shall you have the rain of thy seed again, and you'll sow the ground, and the cattle will feed in large pastures. Verse 25, there shall be upon every high mountain and every hill rivers and streams of water. And look at this reversal. Moreover, remember the moon wasn't going to shine anymore and the sun wasn't. Moreover, the light of the moon is now going to be as light as the sun. And the sun will be sevenfold what it was. So it's. um, this is what C.S. Lewis said that I think is super cool. He says, um, for God is not merely mending, not simply restoring a status quo. Redeemed humanity is to be something more glorious than unfallen humanity would have been. Mm -hmm. The greater the sin, the greater the mercy. The deeper the death, the brighter the rebirth. And this idea of, and he's going to restore you, not to what you were, but to something, you Mm. know, even greater and and better. Yeah, I love that so
1: much. Um, There's just so many good things um, here.
0: Yeah, and all of these, these are all great restoration verses. And some of them are going to sound, for example, like 2914, like the grand restoration, you know, that we talk about as Latter-day Saints. The solution Mm -hmm. to the broken covenant. Right? And those verses are great to read, again, in the covenantal story as a whole, but also like to consider that God is doing these great and marvelous works within individual lives Mm. and individual families and individual stories also. Like there is the restoration that belongs part of the big story, but there's also like a restoration that belongs in my story. Yeah. I actually like, really like these verses and I don't even like, well, <laughs> I love plants. <laughs> but at the end of 28, this is like a an analogy that like wouldn't, unless you're like a farming community, it, it's not that good. So shout out to my Idaho people there, right? He says in 24, did the plowman plow, plow all day to sow? Did he open and break the clods of his ground? Again, there is value in brokenness. He sees mm. brokenness as an opportunity And then he says this, when he hath made plain the face, thereof, does he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and a point of barley and the rye in their place? Um, And then at 27, for the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned upon the cumin, but fitches are beaten out and cumin with a rod. Now, you have to read a commentary to know what in the world is happening here. What's happening is he says, oh, there's a really particular way to sow cumin and to reap cumin. And there's a really particular way to sow wheat and to reap wheat. And if you try and use the wheat process on cumin or the cumin process on wheat, like you might break cumin or you might not help wheat the way that you need Mm -hmm. to. And it's a way of teaching and showing that the Lord is going to reach into each of our stories in an individual way, in a way that He knows that we need. If you're wheat and I'm cumin, he's going to deal with me like cumin. Yes. And he's going to deal with you like wheat. And it's summed up in this verse 29. Mm -hmm. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Like he just knows me. This morning, um, Caleb said to me, he turned to me and he goes, he's my seven-year-old. He was like, I've known you my whole life, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, and then I thought, and I said back, yeah, and I've known you your whole life. And I just thought of that when reading this, just to think like, I really do know him. Yeah. Like I know his unique personality. And so as a parent, I'm going to like, I'm going to orchestrate things and teach in a way that's him, because I, I know him, yeah, and and it seems to be teaching God's going to do the same. He's going to restore us yeah. in the in the way, yeah.
1: And I love that when it is like, and He's excellent in working,
0: yeah. You know, yeah. But
1: you're like, oh well, then I don't have to worry as much as I have been worrying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is excellent in working, yeah. He knows what to do, right? Yeah.
0: So, anyways, hopefully this is a really really great lesson, and and this is a great way to teach it and help people see like all of these beautiful attributes about about the Lord in this section.
1: Yeah, we hope you are loving Isaiah so far.
0: Okay, part three next week. See you then. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss
1: This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.